Hey folks, it's Harold. Before we get started, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's taken so long to get the latest episode out to you, and more importantly, I'm sorry because my audio quality in this show is jacked. And I don't mean jacked like it's been going to the gym and getting all muscle-bound. I mean, it's not good. It's so bad, I thought about going back and re-recording everything I said, but I didn't want to delay getting this out to you any longer. So, I think I've found the solution, and it won't be this bad in the next episode, but I just wanted to let you know, I know. And with that... Hello, working people of Southwest Washington! Hello, working people of Southwest Washington! Yeah, that's the stuff! (laughs) You're listening to episode 37 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, with 200 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Harold Phillips, and before we get started, we want to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliate unions, our guests' unions, or employers, not even their online petition sites. Nobody but theirs. And speaking of online petition sites, I don't know about you folks out there, but I get a lot of email, a lot. And a lot of that email is about causes I believe in. There's a bunch of messages that are asking me to sign a petition or show up at a meeting or write a letter about a certain issue. And I think a lot of us, after we get about 20, 30, 50 of those a day, start to wonder, is it really worth it? If I actually click this button, is it going to do anything? What's the point, right? Well, we've got two people here with us today who have a little experience about this, and they can tell you whether it's worth it or not. Let's welcome Courtney Braddock, WPEA steward at Clark College. Thanks for joining us, Courtney. Happy to be here. And returning to the show, our friend Suzanne Sutherland, president of the Clark College Association for Higher Education. Thanks so much for joining us again, Suzanne. Thank you for having me. Hello, brothers, sisters, and siblings of Southwest Washington. So, Courtney, Suzanne, recently your two organizations at Clark College put out a call for support to our community in Southwest Washington, right? What was going on at Clark College that you were asking for support for? After several years of budget cuts, the college was going through another $8 million budget shortfall and decided that they were going to cut half of that and take half from reserves. And there were two staff positions that were on the chopping block along with a tenured faculty position. We asked folks to submit emails come to our board of trustees meetings and let them know how cutting these positions would impact the community in a negative way. Well, before we get into sending those emails, you just used some language, Courtney, that I think might benefit from a little definition. You said that there were a couple of positions, but there was also a faculty position. What are those exactly? What's the difference between faculty and these other positions that we're talking about? That's a great question. I 
represent classified staff at Clark College. So we have a whole host of departments that we represent from custodians, security, um, accounting, all these different staff members who assist and do a bunch of different jobs at the college. The two positions that were going to be cut were a emergency manager and our architect. And then I know Suzanne has more information on this tenure faculty position. Right. Yes. The Clark College Association for Higher Education, CCAHE, we represent the faculty at Clark College, and that includes the professors, both part-time and full-time, as well as the librarians and the mental health counselors. One of those mental health counselors was one of the people who the college was proposing to cut. And it doesn't take a lot of thinking to realize, wow, cutting a mental health counselor right now in any institution, especially an education institution, just seems like going in the wrong direction, right? If we're really about serving students at Clark, we should be increasing mental health support like many of the other CTCs. So we were not only facing losing a tenured faculty, which you know, tenured faculty, they've been made a commitment by the college to have an education position for life. So trying to cut one of those positions as well as that position being one that was essential in helping students, it was really critical for us to get together and try to fight that cut, as well as the cuts to staff. I understand what you're saying, and nobody wants to lose their job, but aren't we really just talking about three jobs here? compared to all of the other employees at Clark College. Why was it so important to fight for these three jobs? I know with our staff positions, we've seen a whole host of cuts over the last few years, and that means that positions were taking on more work. We heard directly from the mouths of the administration that other people would be taking on this work, and we knew how detrimental that would be to the health of the community, the health of the college, and our students. Courtney's talking about outsourcing. They were literally going to be skimming, giving the architect positions work to an outside agency. That alone is enough to fight. But, you know, Courtney has a really great point. We've already had so many cuts through the pandemic. We saw so many of our part-time faculty lose their part-time positions. And what that means is more work for everyone who's left behind. We just we just can't lose any more employees at Clark. We literally are working with a skeleton crew, both faculty and staff. And when we do allow one, even just one represented employee to be cut, we're sending a message that it's okay to cut union jobs. We can't afford to lose any more employees. It's impacting our students' experience at Clark College. I mean, that's irrefutable that we're not serving the students the way we should be in so many respects because we've lost so many employees already. The people making those decisions, they're not on the ground. They don't see what's happening. So it sounds like just three positions, but who's going to do that work? And then how is that going to trickle down to the students? That is such an important point, Suzanne, because you and Courtney are talking about life at an educational institution, right? A college. But who in the listening audience hasn't had that situation where they've been given more work to do because 
the boss hasn't hired enough people to do the work where they're trying to squeeze more quote unquote productivity out of the workforce. And it's the workers who end up suffering. And in your case, it's the students who end up suffering from that, right? Yeah, it's definitely this whole consumer approach to education that's been creeping in over the last three or four decades. And in this time, we've seen an increase in part-time faculty, less tenured faculty. They treat students like consumers instead of learners. They're looking at the bottom line instead of the education that we're supposed to be providing our students. And when you take that approach, you take that inhumane approach, not only do the employees suffer, but like I said, the students suffer too. You can't have it both ways. You can't use a consumer approach, one where the bottom line is most important and center around students. One of those has to come first. Students come to us and tell us their experience and they see, they feel, whether or not they know that we're experiencing these cuts in staffing, they tell us that the experience of not having as many classes provided or the programs that they want, not having enough people to help in their advising, enrollment, et cetera, their entire holistic part of going to college is dwindling. And we see lower enrollment because of it. Well, this is obviously a really big issue, and it was important that you fight for those positions. So how did you do that? We started talking with each other before we knew that budget cuts were coming. We had been told prior that we still had budget concerns, but we knew that there was going to be a need for getting together in solidarity and fighting against these cuts. When the cuts came out finally, we met together and we talked about different ways that we could assist each other, whether that was going to media, talking with our labor community, or talking with the community in general. Yes, CCAG and WPEA, I'm so proud to say that we have been getting together and working on different actions, different events, like the COVID immunization drive that we had at Clark. So we've really been looking at ways to work together because, of course, if you have two major unions at one institution, they should be working together. So when this came up, on one hand, it was very unfortunate. Oh, my gosh, we have three people who may be cut. And at the same time, I believe we were both looking at it as an opportunity for us to experience this struggle jointly and really test our strength together, as well as the strength that we could invoke from our community members. So we contacted different media outlets, as well as the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, to try to get the word out about what was happening and to first inform and then to start asking for help. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about those asks for help, because it seemed like it happened on a few different stages. To begin with, wasn't there a board meeting that you asked people to attend, but you asked them to do something kind of special on this board meeting, right? Yeah, for our first board meeting, the actual cuts had not been announced, but we did know that that was coming. So we asked folks to join us with pictures that we created for Zoom to make them either their Zoom backgrounds or their Zoom thumbnail. Oh, this was an online board meeting. Correct. We have an in-person option, but the majority of the board members are online still. It's changed since COVID has happened. We've kind of had to maneuver into different ways of organizing folks. Getting online at first was difficult, but now that we've figured out Zoom a little bit better, We've made a lot of changes in ways that can be effective. 
and voice their opinions, whether that's changing your name to a specific message, changing your background or your thumbnail, just a bunch of different ways on Zoom that we've been able to organize and help with the cause. Yeah, I really loved the ideas that Courtney sent out to some of the community members to join the board meeting with the profile picture that showed both CCHE and WBEA, but also that you could change your name. I had not seen that before. Change your name to Cuts Hurt Students or, you know, say no to cuts. And that could serve a couple different purposes. Send another message. And also, if people don't want to see their name in that Zoom meeting, making a stand, people are still, you know, kind of shy. A lot of people at Clark don't have super safe positions, clearly. So that allowed them to join, send a message and do it, you know, with anonymity. I would think if you had a big wall of Zoom windows with the same background, that would really make an impression, just that visual impression of, I think it was blue and red in the background of the person's Zoom window replicated 20 or 30 times across the screen. That probably sent a very powerful message, didn't it? Absolutely. And I don't know if you heard Suzanne, but our chair is usually really articulate. And I mean, he still is, but his voice was quivering during it. You could tell that it made him a little bit nervous that there were, I think there were 70 folks in there and that's like double what it normally was. So you could see that they were a little stressed out. That's an important point too. You folks reached out and asked people to attend this online board meeting and the population of the board meeting doubled. That really makes an impression as well, right? Right. That many people participating up front really motivated us to keep going and do a similar event and start doing other events. You know, the more people involved, the more people involved. It becomes contagious and it motivates. When people start participating, it really gets the ball rolling and more people want to be part of the movement. So what kind of other events did you do? Well, we did do another board meeting, and at this time, those cuts had been announced. Those employees had been called in with their union reps, told that they were potentially going to lose their jobs, and, you know, we identified some of the areas that our community members would be concerned with. For instance, the mental health counselor, we all know that there's a mental health crisis in our country right now. She was also a Ukrainian refugee herself, that mental health counselor. And we have had a huge influx of Ukrainian refugee students at Clark. So it really seemed like the most ridiculous move to cut this mental health counselor. If anybody needs counseling, it's people escaping a war-torn country. Yeah, Captain Obvious here, right? But we took that and really emphasized that. So we invited a lot of people who could speak to that experience as Ukrainian refugees at the board meeting. It was very touching. People were in tears and it really showed the need for mental health counseling for these students. We also reached out to local media. I know the Colombian did a great story with Suzanne and I reached out to the stand and asked for the labor community to reach out to the board of trustees and our executive leadership. And I actually did see someone who CC'd me in that. And it was just amazing, the solidarity and how upset people are, because we're all going through our daily lives and we don't know everything. But when people learn about what's going on, they feel connected. And when they feel connected, they have that passion. And it's always great to see. And of course, you also ask people to write letters specifically to the board, right? Right. We 
went ahead and sent a link out. We sent it through the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council website to write a letter. It was actually an email, but we used an email template that people could fill out with their own message. And it would go straight to the board members and the EC members. So it was really handy because you just send one and it would go to all of those people. And it's another motivational tool in the sense that, you know, we'll get a report that, oh, 300 people have written emails. And then we'll announce that out. Hey, 300 people have already sent emails. Everybody wants to be part of a big movement. So that kind of thing it gets more people involved when you could say that, look at all of these people who are helping. Another thing, just, just like Courtney was saying, it's just a really special feeling you get when somebody you don't even know from out in the community writes an email and CCs you or sends it to you. You know, it just feels, it's just a really deep sense of solidarity with our surrounding community. When someone who doesn't even know you or isn't even really affiliated with your union shows that they care enough to act, it really reinforces and validates what you're doing. So what was the result? You got all these people involved. You got 300 emails going to the board. What kind of difference did it make for those 300 people to actually throw in and take action? None of the positions that were posed to be laid off were laid off. And I know that that would not have been the outcome had we not organized and had the community and the labor community and all of our members rally around this. It demonstrated the strength of our unions working together and also the strength that comes from getting community members and brothers and sisters, siblings from other unions involved. It's what makes unions strong. It's what makes us powerful and able to stave off cuts like these. I know that they were ready to cut these employees. They would say otherwise and say, oh, they were just proposals. They try to downplay the union strength. I know for a fact that they were putting forth every effort to try to cut these three individuals. And because of our union strength and because they heard from the community, they weren't able to move forward with that. And in the future, they're not going to forget this. So it's going to be more difficult to cut people in the future. And that's always the thing, right? It's not this fight. You're always looking forward to when the next fight might be. Yeah, absolutely. So with that in mind, I have to ask, you guys get emails, right? You get the asks to write letters, to sign petitions, to attend events. Given the experience that you've just had, what do you say to someone who says, ah, is this really going to make a difference if I send this letter, if I show up at this board meeting? I would say absolutely. I know that sometimes it feels like, well, you know, someone else will do it. That's not always the case. And even if that's true, adding one more voice to the needs of whomever you're trying to advocate for is better than one less. So. I would say absolutely, you know, if you can show up in person, show up in person. If you can just show up by email, however you can show up for those that you're advocating for, show up. Yeah, it's an absolute myth that one person participating won't make a difference because that one person's going to be a motivation for the next person, for the next person, for the next person. That's how solidarity happens. That's how these actions are successful. 
And I've seen it at the state level as well. When we mail out links for emails and letters to go to legislators, I've, you know, went up to Olympia to testify in a hearing and those legislators will say, we've received 400 emails today. And now we see a hundred people here testifying makes a huge difference. And a lot of people like Courtney was saying, will think, oh, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to be, well, that makes what you're doing all the more important because a lot of people do think, oh, so they don't do anything. What you do is so important. Please take advantage of the opportunity. And it's historic as well. I mean, people have lost their jobs. They've lost their reputations. They've lost their livelihoods. Some of them have lost their lives so that we can perform actions like writing letters, writing emails, or standing up to the board of trustees at the board meetings, or picketing. So this is a right. We can't take it for granted. We need to take advantage of it because people have lost so much so that we could do these things. And as you said earlier, it feels good to be a part of something, right? So each one of these fights, well, they may be an individual fight at a community college or a cement plant or a taxi service. Each one of them are a part of this historic moment that we're living in. And people do want to feel good. They want to feel like they're a part of something. Right. Absolutely. It is undoubtedly one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever experienced. And I think Courtney would agree. Being part of a movement that's truly grassroots because union power comes from the people. It actually comes from the workers. It isn't derived from anything else but the workers' ability to withdraw, to withhold their labor. And that's unbelievable when you get to experience that in mass. And, you know, I've had so many people after our strike write me and say that they've never experienced anything like that before in their lives. So, yeah, absolutely. If you have the opportunity to contribute and to be part of union action, take advantage of it. <laughs> you know, not only are you helping the workers and the union, but you'll be helping yourself. You'll be actually fulfilling those needs within us to, to actualize. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with? just keep fighting the good fight. There will always be fights continuing into the future and we're here for each other. It gives me goosebumps what Suzanne was saying, like feeling that solidarity comes from people actually coming together and willing to do X, Y, and Z. As long as you're able to come in in whatever capacity, you are helping. And yeah, don't forget to send those emails to press that sign button. The little goes a long ways. It is hard when you're living a struggle. You know, it can be painful. You could be taking a lot of risks. But me personally, I can't wait for CCHE and WPEA to kick some ass again. I really can't. Let's do it. Bring it on. I know when the next fight comes, the Southwest Washington labor community and community at large is going to be right there with you. So. Thank you so much for joining us, Suzanne Sutherland, president of the Clark College Association for Higher Education, and Courtney Braddock, WPEA steward at Clark College. Thank you. 
And thank you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And remember what Suzanne just said, folks. The thing about union power is that we all work together. We have this thing called solidarity. That's why the Clark College Association for Higher Education and WPEA work together on this effort. That's why you have unions standing up together when someone goes out on picket. And that's why this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SWWACLC. And hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. And while you're at it, give us five stars or press the button to change your Zoom background for your next meeting or whatever you want to do to let people know you like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. We've been talking about a specific thing that happened here in Southwest Washington, but if you think about it, there are situations like this happening all around us. This is what I mentioned before about this historic moment we're living through right now. You've seen the news about people at Amazon standing up for themselves, people at Starbucks standing up for themselves, the Teamsters being ready to stand up for themselves, the Writers Guild standing up for themselves. Do you know what all of these people have in common? They have their fellow workers standing with them. Several of us have sent letters. We've signed petitions. We've spread the word on social media. It might feel like that's a little thing, but to the people who are out there day after day picketing, it's a huge thing to feel that support. So take a few minutes. Be a part of something historic. Because clicking that button can make a huge difference to a lot of working people. We'll see you soon.